0: I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Good morning, everybody. How's it going? Welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min football family, as ever. I'm your host, Harry Simi. You coming to you live on this Saturday morning, bright and early, before 8 a.m. I've even outdone Tom Canton today. What on earth is going on? No, the truth is, uh, I've got to get off to work uh, in a little bit, down at Craven Cottage today uh, for full commentary of Fulham versus Leeds United from the Premier League. I need to set off uh, very, very shortly in order to get there in time, and I figured that I couldn't wait to get this episode out. I I didn't feel like this was an episode that could wait until this afternoon when I returned back home because of A, the significance of of yesterday's result and B, because of how how it all went and and how it all ended. You know, it was such a roller coaster of a game in terms of the emotions that we went through. And um, I found it really, really difficult to cope with. I've got to be honest. And look, let's get the first thing out of the way. Have we blown it? Well, there's still a lot to play for and I'm not going to give up on it just yet. Um, and obviously we've got that game coming up on Wednesday night at Manchester City, which could be huge in terms of where the title ends up. But you have to say that we're no longer favourites. We we probably weren't the favourites um, at the end of last weekend, if I'm being honest with you, but we're certainly not the favourites now, if you ask me. We've certainly surrendered control uh, of the title race to Manchester City. Look, Manchester City, you know, they can can do it and they can do it probably quite comfortably now, I would think, because I still look at Arsenal's fixtures and I still feel there are a couple of games in which we could drop points. We've just dropped points in two games that I thought if we were going to win the league had to be absolute bankers. And we didn't manage to get three points in either of those games. And you know, it was funny because yesterday, you know, we we sort of gone into the game worried about what might happen if we take the lead. So what did we do? We went two goals behind. I guess if you, if you think about it logically, you can't throw away a two-goal lead if you're two goals behind. Obviously, that wasn't really in Arsenal's thinking. But, you know, you, you're looking at this team at the moment and it just feels like everything that could possibly go wrong is going wrong all at the same time. And it's causing us so many issues, so many problems. You know, defensively, we're conceding goals left, right and centre. And the nature of the goals that we're conceding is is really, really poor. You know, I talked about Aaron Ramsdale and maybe the fact that he should have saved Jarrah Bowen's shot at West Ham last weekend. And there was a debate around how culpable Aaron Ramsdale was for that but there's no doubt that Aaron Ramsdale's mistake at the start of the game last night really, really set the tone and and put us on the back foot from the off. I mean, I've watched it back five, six, maybe seven times now, and I still can't understand what goes through his head in terms of trying to play that pass. Now, I know Arsenal always drop that option into that middle uh, area, sort of into that hole, into that pocket, but as a goalkeeper, you've got to know that that pass is is too risky. You you are the one that can see what's going on in front of you and you need to make the right decisions. So decision-making at this moment in time is really, really costing us and really, really letting us down. You know, there's there's that and and that kind of sets off a, a sort of wave of events that means the game goes way out of Arsenal's control and we have to try and wrestle it back. And, you know, we'll come on to the rest of the game a little bit later on, but... That type of error is the type of error that Aaron Ramsdale maybe made at the start of the season. Sometimes it didn't go unpunished and we were a little bit fortunate in that. I know that I always say that managers like Mikel Arteta, who insist on their goalkeeper playing that way, also accept that there is an element of risk to that. But I had sort of sat down on on Friday morning and discussed at length, actually, with some colleagues how bad David De Gea's decision-making was in Man United's Europa League tie with Sevilla, where he did basically exactly the same thing. He gave a hospital pass to Harry Maguire, who lost the ball, and Sevilla scored as a result of it. And I thought, you know what? The good thing is we've got a keeper that's got more sense than that. We've got a goalkeeper that plays out from the back actually quite naturally and, and shouldn't make that type of mistake. But, you know, for Aaron Ramsdale to do that inside of a minute, it caused a lot of problems. And a colleague of mine who was at the game alongside me said, well, you'd rather that happened in the first minute than in the 90th minute. And I get that. And I have to be honest, when we were 1-0 down, I know a lot of people felt nervous and concerned. Me, not so much. I felt like Arsenal were more than capable of turning the game around still at that point. And I wasn't massively um, disappointed. It was one of those for me where I was looking at it at the time and going, right, it's happened now. You've got to put it out of your mind and you've got to continue to play your game. But what happened after that was the game just became incredibly frantic. The first half, the entire first half, and I was speaking to Charles Watts at halftime about this, is that the entire first half was as if Arsenal were looking for a goal in the last five minutes of the game. It was so, so chaotic, so, so frenetic. And what that does is leave spaces and leave holes because you're over committing. You're trying to force the issue too much. Whereas if Arsenal had played their game and been a little bit more measured in what they were doing and in how many bodies they were throwing forward and how many players they were committing into Southampton territory, I don't think we can see the second goal. And the second goal is the one that takes it really out of control. The second one is the one that gives Arsenal an absolute mountain to climb. But even after conceding the second goal, I still didn't feel like the game was done and dusted, like the game was over. And that is a testament to this team because this team have shown character this season. This team have shown fight. They've shown a willingness to sort of fight till the very end and to never give up. And that is one of the positives of last night. The fact that Arsenal did manage to salvage a point, a point that you never know might prove important come the end of the season. It wasn't enough in terms of, what we set out to get from the game and and what we wanted. But, you know, that point could be significant depending on how results go. So, you know, that is the one small positive from last night, but it doesn't mask the overriding feeling of disappointment for me. Carlos Alcaraz, is it Carlos Alcaraz? Alcaraz, anyway, he got that first goal in the first minute and he was a menace to us in that first half. He kept drifting into those spaces in between the lines. It was like... Theo Walcott was playing from the right. Armstrong was playing from the left. And although maybe you looked at Southampton's team at times and thought it was a uh, three-pronged attack, it it very rarely was that. Alcaraz would drop into those deep positions and then he'd get up alongside those two and in between those two and cause us all sorts of trouble. And I think I'm right in saying it was his passing behind uh, Gabriel that released Theo Walcott, who added the second. And, you know, okay, Theo Walcott doesn't celebrate out of respect, blah, blah. I I don't really care about that, to be honest with you. I know a lot of Arsenal fans were so thrilled that Theo Walcott had sort of been quite muted in his celebrations, but who cares, man? You play for Southampton now, you want to celebrate, celebrate. You know, that was his club from the off as well. He started out there, didn't he? So I don't have an issue with that. But what I do have an issue with is the way that we were sliced open. And that comes again, if you watch it all back. And not just the goal itself. If you watch the two or three minutes in the lead up to that goal, it comes from Arsenal, as I say, being too eager, being too frenetic, being too chaotic and desperately trying to force the issue. They're playing blind passes into central areas. I think it was Martin Odegaard's ball in the field there that gets intercepted. And from then on, when they break, where's Thomas Partey? He's certainly not marshalling the back line in the way that he should be. And this is at a time where we've got a weakened back line with Rob Holding in it. And we've been talking all bloody week about the need to add that additional layer of protection to just be that little bit more careful in and around Rob Holding's area. You could argue that at times we did it too much last night and it impacted our build up. But in the instance of Southampton's second goal we completely abandoned that idea of protecting Rob Holding. Why? Not because it was a tactical instruction, not because it's something that Mikel Arteta wanted the players to do, but because we got carried away. We got drawn in. We got sucked in because we were so desperate to go and find that equalizing goal literally instantly. And this is where experience comes in and know-how comes in. An experienced team, a team that's been there and done it, full of winners full of senior players would say it's one minute on the clock reset as if it was nil nil let's play our game and trust that we're going to be good enough over the course of the 90 minutes to put this right and nine times out of ten when you're playing the bottom team whose confidence is on the floor you're going to be able to do that you're going to succeed in doing that but for us it was oh my god we dropped points last weekend and we dropped points the weekend before we have to put this right now Not in this game, not tonight, but now. We have to put this right now. And we overcommitted. And, you know, Arsenal under Mikel Arteta, sort of generally speaking, have been much better in transition situations, and I'm talking about defensively here, than Unai Emery's Arsenal were, and then Arsene Wenger's Arsenal were. That was one of the first things that I spotted when Mikel Arteta came in and and took over. And for some reason, recently, that's gone completely out the window. We've gone from having a manager in Michael that people looked at and said was at times too pragmatic to a team that is just the complete opposite, that is just full of chaos and wants to bomb forward all the time and wants to be super aggressive all the time. And as with everything, you know, it's got to be done in moderation. It's got to be done when it's sensible, because in this league, Even when you're talking about the bottom team, there are players out there that are good enough to punish you and players out there that are good enough to hurt you if you leave spaces and if you leave gaps. And we did that. So we're 2-0 down now. And then six minutes after we go 2-0 down, we pull a goal back. Uh, Wonderful work from Bukayo Saka on the right-hand side. That's what you want to see Bukayo Saka do. Have a little bit of variation to his game. You know, he gets the ball out on the right-hand side, naturally you expect him to always want to cut back in onto that left foot but instead he goes on the outside he uses his pace he gets to the byline he cuts it back to Martinelli who kind of sensed what Bukayo Saka might do just checked his run slightly and then just sort of made a run back towards the penalty spot Uh, and from there he was able to guide it uh, into the back of the net and um, you know at that point I felt even more comfortable and I actually felt like the chances of us getting an equaliser, even in that first half, were pretty strong. Now, that didn't happen. But you go in at half time and you think, right, you know, the, the atmosphere in the stadium has gone up a level or two, having found that goal. And to be fair to the crowd, to be fair to those that were in attendance last night, they were always behind the team, regardless of what the game state was. And you think, right, massive 45 minutes. I think I remember tweeting at half time saying, I don't really know what to say about that. People were... Uh, messaging me friends of mine, you know, what the hell is going on? What was that? What are we watching? And my response was, guys, I don't even know how to put that into words. It was chaos. It was nuts. What we need to do is compose ourselves and go again and play our game. And if we do that, I'm confident that with the crowd behind us at Emirates Stadium, given what's at stake, we can find another couple of goals. Then the second half begins. And when the second half begins and you see that Southampton have made a change, that they've brought... Um, Lianko on, an additional defender, and they've taken off an attacker, you know exactly what we're going to see. We're going to come up against a low block, a back five, and we're going to have to be patient. Patience was the key word for me. I expected Arsenal to have all of the ball in the second half. And I didn't think we were going to have a shit ton of chances, but I thought we'd create enough chances to win the game. The key being, you got to take them. You have to take them. When those moments come along, you have to capitalize on them. And unfortunately, we weren't able to do that. And at the other end, on 66 minutes, we conceded another goal. Another soft goal. Another goal originating from a set piece. Another goal from which Arsenal should have done miles, miles better. Coletta Saar coming in at the far post, heads it home from close range and extends or reestablishes Southampton's two goal lead. Now, you. You can sit and analyse that set piece and and you can break it down, which I, I kind of tried to do like instantly after it happened. Obviously in the, the media section, you do have uh, replays in front of you. You do have a screen in front of you and you get three, four replays of of every incident, of every goal. And I was looking at it and I was trying to work out who was at fault. And, you know, what you'd say, sort of first instinct is that Zinchenko loses Keletasar at the far post. And when that ball's flicked on And it reaches that area, that vicinity, Zinchenko's way too slow to react. Lianko, who's obviously further wider the post, has that extra bit of time to judge the flight of it. And he can step inside and head it home. But the truth is, I don't even think it's fair necessarily to pin that all on Zinchenko. We've talked all season about how Arsenal have improved with set pieces, whether that be offensively and defensively. But lately, we've completely gone off the boil in that sense. Have people figured out what it is that we do? Do our routines need to change? Do we need to be focusing more on the man-to-man element? Because to have Keleta Saar, a towering centre-back, pop up at the far post and Zinchenko to be the closest player around him, that's a total mismatch. Now, I understand that when a delivery comes in, everybody is set in their positions originally to defend the ball that is coming in. When it's flicked on, that can cause you problems because all of a sudden the direction and the trajectory of the ball changes and you may no longer be in the correct position. But do you have the time to get there? Can you anticipate that flick on? Not always. So I don't want to look at Zinchenko there and say that's on you. But the thing that jumps out to me when I analyse that goal, as I say, is not, you know, which individual is at fault, is in what world do your fullbacks mark centre backs? In what world do you ignore the opposition's biggest aerial threats? That's what really upset me about that goal. And then you felt like it was done. You felt like it was over. You know, Leandro Trossard had come on and and he tried to make something happen. And, you know, we kind of abandoned the, that midfield area even more by taking uh, away uh, Fabio Vieira, whose performance we'll come on to in a bit. And, you know, you you thought we were going to go hell for leather. And I remember saying at the time, again, to my colleague who was alongside me, look, we ain't going to win this now. You know, that feels impossible. And although that is the result that we all desired at the start of the evening, it's just not realistic anymore. But let's try not to lose it. And you want to try not to lose it because although Arsenal dropped points at Anfield and West Ham, they continued on an unbeaten run, which is something. they you know, would have got, having managed to get the draw, which we did in the end, we'd have registered another point on the board, which at the moment feels a little bit insignificant. It doesn't feel like it's going to make an awful lot of difference, but you don't know what Manchester City's results are going to be between now and the end of the season. And perhaps, as I said, right at the top, that point could be valuable. You've got to try and get whatever you can from a game. And then Martin Odegaard scores a goal on 88 minutes. And at that point, I'm thinking, well, you know, let's just get the draw. And then on 90, Bukayo Saka scores the third to make it 3-3. And a lot of people had already left the stadium at that point. That was disappointing to see, I've got to be honest. And and the reason I say that is not because you, you're not within your rights to be annoyed or frustrated or angry um, based on sort of what we saw unfold in front of us last night. But this team have shown us that they will fight till the very, very end. And I think because of that, we owe them at the very least their support uh, we owe them the support until the very end. And when Bukayo Saka scores on 90 minutes and you see the board go up, eight minutes of added time and the volume goes up, I, I have to say, I thought that Arsenal were going to do it. I thought that we were going to have another Reese Nelson moment. I thought that this was going to be the night where the momentum swung back in our favour because sometimes you can win a game 1-0 really, really comfortably. Mikel Arteta said he wanted his team to be boring and predictable in the sense of people would know what was coming and that would be a comfortable win. But sometimes there are certain types of victories where you're up against it, where your backs are against the wall, where you're leaning on the ropes, where if you can come out swinging and you can fight your way back into contention and take all three points, that can give you an almighty boost, and I really, really thought we were on the cusp of uh, of managing that. Leandro Trossard had a shot at three three, which came off the top of uh, Gavin Bazunu's crossbar. Gavin Bazunu, by the way, who probably had the ball in his hands for the best part of fifteen minutes, and I'm not even exaggerating. Uh, throughout the duration of the game, it took the referee Simon Hooper one hour to speak to him. He still didn't show him a card. And I'm going to have a little rant about that actually quickly before we go on to some of the individual performances because this is one of the things in football that pisses me off more than anything. You know he's doing it. You know he's time-wasting. Southampton were doing it from the first minute. Why? Because they were leading from the first minute. As a referee, go and show him the card early and I guarantee you that stops. And it's not a talking point anymore and we don't have to discuss it. But this happens not just to Arsenal but to every big side when they are trailing, or even level in some cases, against sides at the bottom end of the table, you will see time-wasting, you will see gamesmanship, you will see players dropping down to the ground at every opportunity, calling the physio on at every opportunity, and referees need to take control of this. Now, what I will say about Simon Hooper and his team yesterday was at least they added a, a fair chunk of time at the end of both halves, which was correct, by the way. Other referees, other officials we've seen in the past, don't even do that. So I'll give them They're they're flowers for that. But all you have to do, Simon Hooper, at the start of the second half, especially when Bazunu's time wasting got even more and more ridiculous, all you have to do is go and um, and show him a card. But the reason no referee shows him a card at that point in the game is because nobody wants to be the referee that was the one who sent somebody off for time wasting. But perhaps that's what needs to happen for this to stop. Or we need to revert to a system whereby the clock stops when the ball's not in play. Maybe that's the answer. I don't know. But anyway, um, you know, really, really frustrating that. But anyway, so, you know, we get it to 3-3. Trossard hits the crossbar. Arsenal all over Southampton. The crowd have, have got themselves up for it. And, you know, we're back in the team and we're pushing and we're pushing and we're pushing. And you're thinking, come on, we could do this. Genuinely thought we could do it. And we didn't. We had an effort from Reese Nelson, which took a deflection. It went just wide of the post. I felt like we were more focused or more concentrated on trying to win a penalty than actually getting shots off at goal when we were in the box. And that was frustrating as well. I'm going to talk about one player who I thought did that way too much last night, in particular, in a bit. Um, And then perhaps the angriest I've been all night. And look, I tweeted this and, and people were like, well, that didn't cost us the game. I'm not saying it did. But in terms of one standout moment last night that made me angrier than anything else, it was Thomas Partey's decision to take that shot on, on what, 98 minutes? He's about 35 yards out. What are you doing, man? What are you doing? We had men over on the right-hand side. Ben White was in space. Um, But Kiyosaka was out there. There were options to your left. What he was thinking when he decided to take that shot on, I don't know. That was as frustrated as I've been all night. And that just capped off what I thought was a really disappointing night for Arsenal, but also for Thomas Partey on an individual level, whose form has just gone completely off a cliff. We'll discuss individual performances in a second. Um, that's what we're going to be doing next. Um, I did put a tweet out asking last night for some of you guys' thoughts Um and uh, some of you guys' questions uh, with relation to the game. And I got so many back that what I'm going to do is I'm going to record the separate episode tomorrow morning because I think there's so many valid talking points there that I couldn't possibly just squeeze a few of them in at the end of an episode. So tomorrow, we're going to bring you another episode, a full-length episode that is going to be focused solely on your questions. So if you've got more questions, um, either leave them in the comments of this video, not in the live chat, but in the comment section, after we finish or go over to my tweet, which is uh, at Harry Simu on Twitter, you'll find it. I think it's my last tweet or the one before my last one. And uh, if you put your question in there, as I say, we'll do a full dedicated episode to those questions. at First thing tomorrow morning, we will take a few from the live chat in this edition. Uh, but I'm just conscious of how many questions there are. And the fact that with my time constraints this morning, I'm not going to be able to get through anywhere near as many as I should. Given what happened last night and given how good some of those questions are. So, uh, Manuel, uh, thank you very much, mate, for your kind super chat. Is the volume on my microphone going up and down or is that just me? Because it feels like it is. might just be me. Uh, Manuel says, it's going to be such a game versus city. Let's enjoy the rest of the season. Cheers from Mexico. And uh, Manuel, thank you so, so much, mate, for your very, very kind super chat donation. It does uh, really mean a lot. Um, I appreciate the support. It is um it is um something i'm I'm super super grateful for so thank you for that um and and Manuel's question is hold on a second let's why's the volume changing all the time is that happening let me know in the chat because um it looks like it is on my screen but that is something I can't really tell in terms of how it's going through but anyway forget that for a minute um Manuel. It is going to be a huge game. It will be a game that is passed off as, or or is built up to as being the title decider. I think it would have been regardless of what Arsenal's result was last night. My issue is, and my concern, and my problem is that I don't think Arsenal have a hope in hell, if I'm being completely honest, of going to Manchester City and getting all three points. And, you know, maybe you'll look at it and say, well, let's just get the draw. And if we can get the draw and we manage to, um, you know, avoid defeat, then maybe we need to worry about or just hope that, you know, they can drop points elsewhere. You know, I was saying this to someone last night. If Manchester City end up winning their last 14 games of the season, which is what they'd have done if they managed to win that what remains, you, you have to say they deserve it. What an achievement that would be. What a run of form that would be. So, yeah, it's... um. It's, it's one of those things now, right? We're, we're at this point. This is way beyond where we thought we would be. And and let me just say, obviously, I'll be disappointed if we don't win it, given the position we were in. And obviously, I'm disappointed with the way in which we've sort of fallen off because of the, the nature of the goals we're conceding, because it's a lot to do with injuries, because it's a lot to do with big players who, throughout the season, have been faultless, just losing their way right when it matters most. All of that hurts. But I fucking love this team. And... You know, Mikel Arteta said this when he came into the radio room yesterday. Um, he he came in to do the interview and and sort of... I always find it really interesting to be able to stand within a metre of a manager, kind of look him in the eye when he's assessing a game. And, and Mikel Arteta came in in full defence mode uh, when he walked into the, um, the radio room because the first thing he said was, I love my players. I love this team. I love this group. Not just when they win, not just... When they lose, you know, that doesn't matter. That's neither here nor there. What it's about is the way they apply themselves every day, the way they fight till the very end. There were suggestions in the press conference that some big players had gone missing and and Mikel Arteta said, I didn't see anyone hiding. You know, I think he acknowledged that the performance level wasn't very, very good. And that there were players that normally perform at a much higher level than what they managed on the night. But he also, um, I think, appreciated the fact that Arsenal kept trying, kept plugging away and almost pulled it off. And that's the thing, right? You you always know that this team is going to fight to the end. We never know when we're beaten, which is, you know, a really great quality to have and something that you couldn't say about Arsenal in recent seasons. And so, you know, we're, we're ahead of schedule. With that comes greater expectation. With greater expectation comes a, a bigger chance of disappointment. But I've just, I've, you know, I'm at the point now where I actually feel, a tiny bit relieved that we're not the favourites anymore. And I wonder if actually being the ones that aren't the favourites anymore is something that's going to help us in the running. Are we going to be able to take sort of, are we going to be able to go out there and perform to a higher level without having that pressure of every weekend playing after Manchester City and everybody expecting us to shut them up and to silence them? Because as far as the wider world is concerned, City are going to win it now. So anything that we achieve is a bonus. Look, At minimum, we're going to finish second this season. You know, we we guaranteed a finish above Spurs last night, um, which has got lost because of the disappointment um, around how the result went in the end. But, you know, if you'd have said that at the start of the season, people would have gone, oh, yeah, I can't wait for St. Totteringham's Day this year. But because we're in the title race, because we feel like we've got bigger fish to fry... That's been lost. Now, I'm not saying we should celebrate finishing above Tottenham. I think that's a bare minimum for Arsenal Football Club, given the history uh, of the two clubs. But it's, you know, there's been a lot achieved so far this season, and we're going to make the Champions League, and we're going to finish second at absolute minimum, which is way beyond, as I say, what people thought we were capable of. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. Um, You know, we are playing, or we are up against a team that are really, really strong in Manchester City arguably one of the Premier League's best ever and that's why these draws feel like defeats because in any other normal circumstances you pick up a few draws but you remain unbeaten people are talking about the fact that you're still unbeaten but in this league against this opposition with with the Manchester City breathing down your neck you feel like there is no margin for error and that is a that is a the, the fact that we're still top even having dropped points in those three consecutive games that is an indicator of how well we've done up until now so look it's not over yet there's still plenty of football to be played there still could be twists and turns let's not um let's not be too downbeat i know it's impossible not to feel some disappointment but let's try and see as as stan says in the chat th- the glass has been half full we still have everything to play for it's not over yet and he still remembers Anfield 89, as do plenty uh, of Arsenal fans out there. You want to be the best, you've got to beat the best sometimes. And, um, you know, that's that's how it goes. And, you know, it's all on on the game on Wednesday now. A lot of it is on the game on Wednesday. I think that nobody expects us to go there and get anything from that game. And maybe that works in our favour. We will see. We will see. But, yeah, I'd be lying if I wasn't disappointed. But as I say, I'm, I've, I sort of this morning when I wake, woke up, I started to think about sort of, I know it was a roller coaster of emotions and I know it was a lot of stress to go through last night. It's certainly how I felt. But I started to think about what this team have given us this season and some of the moments they've given us this season. And the fact that we're never dead and we're never beaten and we keep going and going and going and going. And the energy that we have um, as a team to continue in that vein uh, for entire games, the fact that the Emirates Stadium is jumping up and down, is rocking in situations like that. Whereas in the past, you know, it had been half empty at that point. Those are the things that Mikel Arteta has given us, you know, a competitive team, an incredible raucous atmosphere when we need it. Um, and most of the time, you know, a togetherness, a unity. And, uh, and those are things that shouldn't go unnoticed, in my opinion. They, they'll be uh, sort of pushed to the wayside for now because the overriding feeling of disappointment takes over when you've just dropped points in a game that really you should win. But I think when you look at the bigger picture, you'll still feel like, Uh, there is plenty to be positive about and that's not just me spinning PR and and trying to back the club that is genuinely how I feel doesn't mean I'm not disappointed or sad or angry or frustrated but you know you you have to sometimes take a step back because you can get caught up in the emotions just like our players have done at points we've done that um, as fans as well we've allowed ourselves to believe in something and the reason we've allowed ourselves to believe in something is because the team have given us reason to and that in itself is is obviously a positive. But anyway, um, let's touch on a few individual performances. As I say, we're going to focus on questions on a separate episode, uh, which we'll release tomorrow morning, because um, there are so, so many to get through that. I don't think we can do it uh, in the space of what the seven, eight minutes that I've got left before I need to jump on a train uh, down to Craven Cottage. But um, Keep those questions coming in, as I say, um, on whichever platform it is you prefer, uh, whether that be Twitter. You can email me um, at uh, harry at the chronicles of aguna.com. You can uh, tweet me at harry simiu on Twitter, uh, which the handle is on display on the screen if you're watching on YouTube. Or you can tweet us at chronicles uh, underscore AFC as well. Right. Individual performances. Aaron Ramsdale, a night to forget for him, wasn't it? Um, you know, we've we've kind of touched on that mistake and the significance of it. What I really liked is the image that I used in the thumbnail where you can see Mikel Arteta sort of going over and giving him a hug because Mikel Arteta wants him to play that way, didn't want him to give that pass away um, and didn't want him to, to end up costing us a goal. But, you know, Mikel Arteta backs his players. And that's one thing I really love about this manager. He comes into the room uh, to give a media interview. He comes into the press conference after and he's not going to sit there and and dig out. His players, you know, he's not going to pretend that he is totally, you know, not responsible for what's just happened. He takes it all on and he's happy to do that. And I think the players believe in that. I think there's a balance to be had, though, because I think if you do that too much as a coach, you almost allow players to get away with murder and sort of hide in the shadows, knowing that you're going to take the flack. And that's very much the way it is in modern football, where managers um, are often, fired and, and hired based upon actually what the players uh, have produced rather than what the manager is doing necessarily. Um, ben White, I thought, had an okay game. I thought in the second half he was better going forward, um, but that was because the were going for broke. Southampton offered a lot less on the transition. Um, so, yeah, I thought in the second half he was better. Uh, Zinchenko, Again, I just feel like people have have sussed out what Zinchenko is going to do. I feel like Zinchenko's sort of tendency to drift in field at the start of the season came as a surprise to a lot of people and it made him really, really effective. And I just think that, you know, as time's gone on, people have worked that out and it's no longer as, as big a weapon for Arsenal. And so maybe it's back to the drawing board defensively. You know, I mentioned that maybe he could have done better for Southampton's third goal. Although I think it's harsh to pin that necessarily on him. But we know that he's not great defensively. We know what he does bring is is extra support in the midfield. But yesterday we still seemed incredibly exposed in midfield on the transition in that first half. And I've I've sort of I'm going to talk about Partey in a minute, but I think Zinchenko needed to help out more there, needed to do more there, maybe. Uh center half's holding and Gabriel. I don't think either of them had a disastrous game, but when your team concedes three goals. Um, at home in the way that we did. How can you not pin some of it on the centre-halves? You know, you've got to look at them first and foremost. Thomas Partey, I said that at West Ham, it was probably the worst I'd seen him play in an Arsenal shirt Well, he managed to, if not top that, at least equal it with his performance yesterday. Um, Leaving gaping holes in our midfield, going wandering, being too desperate to win the ball back, maybe not in the right spaces, not at the right times. His passing was loose. It was casual. His decision-making was really, really silly. Not only did he take that stupid shot on right at the end of the game, which frustrated a lot of people, but there was an instance in the second half as well, where he put us in trouble and, and we ended up conceding a corner from what I remember, where he gets the ball on the corner of our box and he tries to put it through the legs of the oncoming attacker who's closing him down. And I just remember at that point thinking, have you learnt nothing from last week? Have you learnt nothing from what happened at West Ham? It's so casual, so sort of laboured. And I don't know what it's down to with Thomas Partey. Because for 98% of the season, he's been super faultless. But in the last couple of weeks, his performances have really, really dropped off. And maybe yesterday he suffered a little bit from not having Granit Xhaka alongside him. But still on an individual level, I think he got so much wrong. Uh, Fabio Vieira, I thought was really poor, um, really, really struggled. I saw a lot of people going after him, um, in the, uh, live chat, uh, sorry, on Twitter, um, and on sort of any live comments that we were across last night. Um, look, I just, I don't know where he fits in this team. I've said it before. I, I don't really see him as being physically Dominant enough to play as the eight, and I think that that was something we were lacking yesterday. Without Granite Xhaka, who was obviously out without uh, out with the illness, it just goes to show for all the people that keep saying, "Oh, we need a Xhaka upgrade." He's rubbish. He's still no good. Blah blah blah. How much are we miss him when he's not in the team? hugely important player helps Thomas Partey out a lot, gives Inchenko that extra bit of protection as well, and has got really good at supporting Martinelli down the left hand side. Also, so we really really missed Granite Jacko, I felt Martin Odegaard I thought was ineffective for the majority of the game, just seemed to come alive right at the end, but it was too little, too late. Um, Martinelli, I don't really want to fault him. I thought he put in loads of effort, scored the goal. that got us back in the game. Saka on the other side, again, lots of effort, scored a, a vital goal. They made their contributions. Gabriel Jesus frustrated me yesterday. I thought there were a couple of chances in the second half where he just showed us all. Something that I guess we've all known deep down, that he just isn't really a killer in front of goal. Wonderful in the build-up impacts the game in, in a lot of positive ways but just isn't the killer that we need him to be at times um which was obviously frustrating and the other thing was I just felt like every time he got the ball in the box if instead of focusing on trying to make something happen teeing somebody up or or creating the space for a shot he was obsessed with getting a penalty kick and and once you do that once or twice you you start to it's a bit like the boy that cried wolf you know you you start to get under the referee's skin. You know, your opponents are, are, are sort of making a point of stepping away from you in certain situations and, and showing the referee what you're doing. And, and then you're very unlikely to get a penalty kick at that point. I thought Arsenal had a few penalty appeals, by the way. There was one pullback on Martin Odegaard. I thought we maybe had a case there, but I haven't seen it a lot um, because we only got the one replay in the ground and I haven't seen it on any of the highlights that I've checked out since. So... Yeah. Um, we'll, uh, we'll just have to kind of take that on the chin. But yeah, that's kind of my assessment of the game. Still plenty to play for, obviously. The game on Wednesday becomes even bigger than it was for Arsenal. Um, if Manchester City win that, you feel like they'll cruise to the Premier League title and Arsenal will just need to try and get as many points on the board as they can in the hope that Manchester City maybe slip up. But Listen, this team have given us so much. You know, we will look back on this season, I think, afterwards, regardless of what happens and say what a ride it was. Um, And there's certainly been improvement, but you can't help but feel disappointed on this Saturday morning. A quick one. If you haven't done so already, please leave a like on the video. Just 35 likes on the board. Come on. That's nowhere near good enough. Let's get it up to 100 at least. Uh, be sure to subscribe to the channel if you're brand spanking new if you're listening to us on audio then please do leave us a review as well i'll be back tomorrow with another edition of the show in which we'll be tackling and focusing solely on the questions that you guys have been sending me off the back of last night i think i had about 40 odd replies to that tweet within the space of a few minutes so there's loads of questions i've sort of uh glanced through them there's lots to get into we'll do all of that tomorrow and, um, and maybe I'll have a different viewpoint. Maybe I'd have processed a little bit more and my outlook will have changed by then. I don't know. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I'll catch you all soon. Thank you, as always, for tuning in. Enjoy uh, your Saturday if you can. That's the problem with Friday night football. When it goes against you, it messes up your weekend right from the off. But I'll see you all soon. Have a great Saturday. And until next time, take care. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.